You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Robert Shear is the author, is a syndicated columnist and the author of The Pornography of Power. His forthcoming book uh, later this year is The Great American Stick-Up, Greedy Bankers and the Politicians Who Love Them. Thank you for joining me, Robert. Hi. Your new book is The Pornography of Power. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you think the war has progressed with the new administration. Which war are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to keep track, isn't it? Well, no, I mean, the, the real problem is that, that uh, Barack Obama got a, a elected promising to have um, a, a lower military presence in the world. I mean, I assume we're doing this interview because it's Memorial Day mm-hmm. coming up, and, and um, it, it really depresses me because most of my life, I mean, I'm an old guy now, and I can remember the last war that could be justified, which was really World War II. And, and, you know, so what, what are we memorializing on, uh, on Memorial Day now is primarily people who died in wars that didn't have to take place. You know, uh, 59,000 Americans who died in <clears throat> Vietnam, for example, not to mention 3.4 million Indo-Chinese, and they're still suffering from Agent Orange, as are some American vets. Uh, you know, so in my adult life, I've seen us march off to one war after another, one foreign intervention, one CIA overthrow of a government or another, uh, one mischief-making or, or another, uh, without any rational basis for it, with, with the facts all distorted, with that logic distorted. And, and uh, yet on Memorial Day, we say, well, you know, we, we, we sing the praises of this. Well, well, no, we should condemn the governments that send people to wars that shouldn't have been fought. And certainly Iraq is a stunning example of that, and, and yet we can't get out because it's much easier to go into war than to get out of it. That's always the problem. And, and Barack Obama, even though he was elected on the pledge of, of getting us out, we're still very much there, and now he's escalated the war in Afghanistan, which should have never been a war. It should have been a police action in the, in the, in the most traditional sense of police. If there are terrorists there or in Pakistan, uh, that we feel have attacked us. You go in with these so-called surgical strikes, and you, you get them out. You, you find them, and you get them. Uh, but we're now involved in, in, in an even more complex, forlorn venture in Afghanistan, uh, ultimately, than Iraq, because we're, we're involved in a civil war there, and we've picked a fight with uh, you know all sorts of people who have indigenous roots, and no foreign power has been able to control Afghanistan, and we're, we're certainly not going to be able to. And meanwhile, we have a lot of problems in, in Pakistan, which is a country we befriended after 9-11, even though Pakistan we befriended the three countries that had supported the Taliban. You know, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, Saudi Arabia, and Pakistan were the three governments in the world that had recognized the Taliban that sponsored the people who attacked us. And we cozied up to Pakistan in particular, and they're the ones who have a real serious nuclear threat. Now we're worried about them, and we're now going to be involved in a... A, a tremendous mess in Pakistan as well as Afghanistan. So I think on Memorial Day it's time to think about, you know, why, why do we send young people or, or anybody off to war? Why do we uh, wage war in this way? And, and, you know, it's so easy to wave the flag, but it's so difficult to do the right thing. 
Well, could you talk about, it seems to me that, that Barack Obama has inherited a, a very difficult situation. And I found it really interesting that he kept on Robert Gates, who seems to be supporting uh, Obama's agenda. Well, oh, Gates is one of the best of the worst, if you want. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean Gates is at least as rational as compared to, say, the Dick Cheney's and so, or the Rumsfeld's. You know, uh, Gates at least has some idea of controlling some of the worst military spending, like the F-22 and the C-17 cargo plane that Barbara Boxer and Diane Feinstein and Arnold Schwarzenegger want to keep producing in Long Beach. You know, uh, so at least he's got some sense of, of rational spending. Uh, but the problem is that Barack Obama bought into a line that the Democrats came up with. You know, Iraq's the wrong war. We're going to show you the right war, and the right war is going to be Afghanistan. And, and that's just, you know, ho a horrible idea. You know, the, yes, there's real problems in Afghanistan. First of all, who knows even where the, the, the al-Qaeda is now? These people can move. They can take airplanes. They can go to other countries. And, and, and the idea that somehow there's a, a military power that is represented by these terrorists in Afghanistan or Pakistan is utter nonsense. Well, with the FBI had said that the, that, uh, the top number two man of al-Qaeda was in Lodi. Of course. You know, they, 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 you know, look, one of the things that really upsets me is we still know very little about how, how we were attacked and why and everything else. And, and it, what's really <clears throat> irritating is that we have yet to have a public trial of the people, you know, the key witnesses, uh, the, the people who have been tortured, who have been held. Uh, what are we afraid of? You know, why, why don't we have a public trial? Why don't we have cross-examination? Why don't we look at the evidence? The 9-11 Commission... Uh, said that they were not allowed, that their basic narrative was uh, uh, relied on the testimony of these key witnesses. They said they were not allowed to question them, nor were they allowed to question the people who interrogated them, the Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and all the others. So we still don't even know what these people represented. We know Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was a student at a Christian college in, in uh, uh, South Carolina. We know he went to a, a technical uh, school after that. Uh, we know he wasn't particularly American. We know he went to Afghanistan to fight the Soviets. He was in part recruited by our own agents, uh, just was, as bin Laden was. They were the freedom fighters that Ronald Reagan celebrated. And so, you know, here we've had this event that has shaped our, our history, uh, has shaped our relation to the world, and we really don't want to know too much about it. Who were these people? What drove them? Where did they get their funding? Where did they get their support? We, have, we don't have answers to that this many years after. And, uh, and and we have to keep it all in the dark. You know, there's international terrorism, uh, undifferentiated. So it's nonsense. What you had is a, a, a gang uh, that was able to, you know, uh, take advantage of modern technology of a modern plane, use a rather primitive arsenal that could be bought at Home Depot for a couple hundred bucks of knives and, you know, and so forth. Uh, and uh, uh, they were able to uh, cause great havoc. But we still very, know very little about this source of their funding, their organization, how they were able to move, why we screwed up, how we screwed up, how they were able to come into the United States, how they were able to learn to fly planes and not worry about landing them, why that wasn't suspicious. So in terms of learning the lessons of 9-11, of having the basic information about who are these people, how can you defeat them, and developing you know, sound strategies for capturing them and defeating them, we haven't done any of that. Well, that's because I, I think, as you pointed out, we declared war on them rather than identifying them as criminals and tried 
to undertake a criminal investigation as to, as you say, what happened, how, and why. Right, which is the thesis of my book. I mean, my, my point is that, that the military-industrial complex, which Eisenhower warned us about, uh, which is stronger than ever, uh, the defense budget is increasing under Barack Obama, that these people needed a war. And this was the great occasion. And Cheney and Rumsfeld, they, they just sounded that, that bell. Wow, this is the way to go. And, and international terrorism, and they treated it as if it was an army, a huge army with high-tech weapons and everything. So we'll you know, dust off all the plans on the shelf because they were disappointed the Soviet Union collapsed. And, and we don't, didn't have a serious enemy, so we'll now inflate uh, al-Qaeda into some kind of great military threat. That's not what it is. It's a threat. Terrorism's a threat. Terrorism has always been with us. It will always be with us as long as you have very angry people out there, and they become irrational in their anger, and they blow things up. You know, the, it was a Jewish person who killed Itzhak Rabin in, in Israel. You know, he was a terrorist. His Protestants and Catholics have killed each other in uh, Northern Ireland. They're terrorists. Uh, you know, so terrorism has always been around, and to try to deal with it, you have to think surgically. You have to think in terms of, you know, uh, uh, how do you get rid of or deal with uh, a problem that's a pathology, uh, not, you know, a massive conventional high-tech army, which is the way we've approached it from, from day one. Well, also, let's talk a little bit. Uh, uh, you mentioned Dick Cheney. He's out and about. Uh, the Dark Lord of the Sith is out there promoting uh, his plant program for the war and apparently hoping that well, there'll be another terrorist strike on the U.S. Well, Dick Cheney is the person that George Washington had in mind in his farewell address when he warned about the impostures of pretended patriotism. You know, for all of our invoking the founders, we have never, and this is what I try to do in my pornography of power, but we've never looked back at what were these guys about? What, why did they give us this Constitution? And what, what drove them was the failures of Europe. They saw the failure of empire, beginning with the Roman Empire. They saw how the republic surrenders to imperial ambition. They saw it happen with France, England, Spain, and so forth. That any attempt to have rational policy in a society and deal with your problems will go under to the siren songs of imperial ambition, of war, of patriotism, and so forth. And, and so George Washington, Jefferson, Madison, these people warned about this continuously, foreign entanglements. That's why they built the protections into the design of the federal government. That's why there were checks and balances. Uh, you know, uh, that's why it's Congress that's supposed to authorize war. And, and uh, they were very concerned about this. Now, they had real enemies. Uh, you know, the Brits could come back, others could come back, they would have hung them from the nearest tree. But their concern was that we not surrender to this fear, and that we not exaggerate it, and that we not make irrational decisions. And what Cheney represents is, is the uh, antichrist of democracy. You know, he represents the guy sounding the false alarms, the guy saying, no, you have to do terror, you can't have rule of law, you can't have due process. No, uh, separation of power doesn't work because we have an enemy at the gate. Well, that, that's, you know, we, we've had tyrants make that claim throughout history. And there isn't a, a ruler anywhere in the world who can't claim to have enemies or can't claim they were attacked and use that as a justification to destroy all sanity in their society. That's the lesson of history. And that's what Cheney represents. And the idiots on cable television and everything were, you know, amplify his message. That's what they're all about. They're, they're, they represent an attack on logic, on decency, on restraint, on due process. And, and it's amazing. This guy, 
for all of his lying, all of his failures, everything he's been caught at. This is the prime author of the torture policy, after all. This guy still has currency. Well, and you were talking about the lessons of history. I mean, it does not take a rocket science to look at the lessons of history of intervention in Afghanistan and say that is a place you do not want to go. Yes, and, and also, I mean, the Afghanis really had very little to do with 9-11, okay? I mean, they, 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 didn't, they weren't the authors of it. They didn't mount this campaign. The fact is that, and it, this goes back to Jimmy Carter, even preceding Reagan, we decided, the great Zbigniew Brzezinski and his brilliance, decided to take the Soviets on in Afghanistan, you know, like it was part of the Cold War. And we'll recruit freedom fighters, you know, Muslim freedom fighters from all over the world, and we'll have a great showdown. We'll give them their Vietnam. All of this was, you know, described, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and what happens? You create this, you know, Afghanistan was not a center of fanaticism not under the old king or anything, but we've, we have fomented uh, th- this madness. The same thing happened in Iran, for God's sake. Iran was, was this, you know, Persia was a great civilization. And, but what happened? The last secular, rational, popular leader of, of Iran was overthrown by our CIA, Mossadegh. Oops. And we, uh, Mossadegh. <laughs> yeah. And we, we turned this, uh, the Iran into a place of madness. And so there's this blowback all the time. And, and yes, I, I, you know, the whole idea, I mean, what, what are we even doing in Afghanistan? It's, it's crazy. You know, we, we sided with one side in a civil war against another. Same thing in Iraq. We get, we get all entangled in a history we don't know anything about, people we don't know about, we don't know their culture. And then when we finally, you know, get some people who know uh, these foreign languages, we throw them out of the military because they turn out to be gay or something, you know, and we don't really fund those efforts. It's nutty. You know, uh, we, 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 uh, you would not accept doing this about anything else. If you wanted to build a municipal pool, you would not have these kinds of irrational uh, people making decisions for you. And, but this is what has happened. You know, we, we, we haven't turned to experts on Afghanistan. We haven't, you know, had reasoned debate about it and discussion about what to do. No, we're whipped around again by the imposters of false, of pretended patriotism. That's what it is. In one minute, Robert, tell us what you think where you think Obama could conceivably and, and practically take war policy to, to get us out of this horrible, horrible mess? Well, he should do what he said he would do when he was campaigning. He, he said he would get out of Iraq and leave Iraq for the Iraqis. You know, and, and other people have... The main lesson here is people have to make their own history. And we have the right to intervene internationally, with international support, when genocide is occurring, when there's some massive, uh, you know, assault on, on human sensibility, yes, but then you should do it internationally with, you know, uh, and make sure that you're not, uh, you know, serving your own narrow interests. That's not what Iraq is about. It's not what Afghanistan is about. And, and if you think about it, I mean, the idea of using the 9-11 attack for justification of all that is absurd. Now, what should Barack Obama do? He should get out, just like he promised to him. We all, you know, we voted for him. He was elected uh, to do that. And, and he's afraid, and he's listening to the hawks in the Democratic Party and the so-called realists uh, who are doing exactly what Lyndon Johnson did in Vietnam. You know, they're prolonging it and uh, because they're afraid of being considered dovish. And, you know, Memorial Day is a good time to think about that. You know, who serves the troops, the people who send them into harm's way in wars that are not needed uh, or the people who try to stop those wars? You know, I went to uh, Vietnam as a journalist back in 1964, 
You know, if I had done my job better, fewer people would have died. If I had been a better critic, fewer people would die. And so this whole idea that we have to support uh, idiotic policies of, of military intervention and continue a war going because that's good for the troops? No, the best thing for the troops is to bring them home. And, and that requires courage, and, and that's courage that Barack Obama at this point is not showing. I've been speaking with Robert Shear. His new book, The Pornography of Power, is coming out in paperback in a couple of weeks. Thank you for joining me, Robert. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.